Support for the Eyes Free Sports podcast is brought to you by Clusive. As a blind or visually impaired athlete, you know how important training is. With Clusive, you can take training on assistive technology, occupational, and career skills all online to help you reach your employment goals. Learn more at www.clusive.io. That's www.clusive.io. Howdy, howdy, and thanks for checking out episode 94 of the Eyes Free Sports podcast. My name is Greg Lindbergh. Here on this episode of Eyes Free Sports, we are featuring an interview with uh, a blind tennis player, and this is actually the first time we've had a competitor in blind tennis here on the podcast. In addition to blind tennis, uh, he's also on a bowling league for the blind and uh, is now very active in sports in spite of not being active uh, before that for many years. So let's pick up the tennis racket, hit the court, and get swinging now into episode 94. All right, so my guest here on this episode of the podcast is Chuck Goddess. And like I mentioned in the intro, Chuck is a blind tennis player and the first blind tennis player we've had here on Eyes Free Sports. Chuck, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Really appreciate you taking the time here and uh, really excited to talk blind tennis. I know I've had a few guests on recently, but uh, super excited to actually have a tennis player on here for the first time. Yeah, yeah, it is super exciting. Yeah, so first off, let's uh, just kind of dive right in here. So as far as your background, just talk to us about, uh, you know, where you were born and your, your formative years. Born and raised in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Done a little bit of traveling, but uh, for the most part, I've been here all my life. Wow. Born and bred and, and never left, pretty much, yep. right? <laughs> gotcha. And then, so as far as your visual impairment, uh, I think you told me, was it around fifth grade when you were actually diagnosed? Yes, uh, fifth grade, I guess around 10 years old, somewhere in that area. And uh, I remember just uh, not completely grasping the idea of it, but it did make sense because I had trouble at night, you know, being out with the kids in the neighborhood, wanting to play hide and seek in the evening, always wondering why I always had so much trouble getting around and everybody else seemed to be fine. Uh, So, you know, it it sort of made sense, but, uh, you know, I don't know how much... Uh, I really, um, you know, computed all of it, you know, uh, deep down. It uh, took many years for that to happen. Sure, sure. At that age, you know, our, our brains are definitely, definitely yeah. different and uh, process things differently. So, and then, uh, so as far as sports go, so I understand you did participate in, in several sports as a kid? Oh, yeah. Uh, growing up, um, baseball was all I wanted to do. Uh, if anybody would have asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up, I uh, would have been a professional baseball player. Uh, I played uh, all through grade school and middle school up until ninth grade, um, where it started to get a little bit more competitive. And um, I was just, I was starting to notice more changes. It was becoming slightly more difficult to, to stay focused on the ball, to see it all the time because of my visual field. So uh, I kind of gave it up after that, but I uh, didn't give up on sports altogether. Uh, I still played tennis with my father, which is who first introduced me to the game. Uh, he was a pretty avid player himself, uh, played a lot with friends and uh, in a work league. Um, and my mother played as well. So uh, I had, uh, had a good bit of playing 
through my younger years and into my 20s with um, friends in the neighborhood. Uh, we would get pretty competitive uh, down at the courts and we'd have all day long marathon matches. Mm. A lot of, of uh, pick up football, love, love throwing the football. Uh, and even when playing baseball, um, my position was pitching. I love pitching. I love throwing the ball. Always felt like I had uh, had a pretty good arm. Pretty athletic in general, I think. Uh, and then later on, I uh, got into playing some hockey, street hockey, into inline hockey, which led to a league that I played in for uh, a good 10 or 11 years uh, until the guys I played with eventually wanted to go play ice hockey, uh, where it got to be a bit too much. Uh, it was really fast. And uh, at that point, I was into my 30s and my vision was really starting to take a take a dive um and it was just getting to be too difficult and i was worried about getting hurt or hurting someone else for that matter so kind of stopped playing then right right so it was around that time you kind of realized maybe it wasn't safe enough and keeping Mm -hmm. up with others was too challenging yeah and it was very it was discouraging at times because i i knew i felt like i had the talent that these guys had or at least some of them <laughs> um, but I just I just couldn't do it. There were too many obstacles, uh, especially you know with hockey. It's hard enough to to focus on the puck. It's moving so fast, and and you've got guys moving around all over the place. Uh, I was a defenseman, so I didn't have to handle the puck quite as much. Um, but yeah, it was it was a tough battle. It was really hard to give it up, and uh, and then things kind of just went downhill with my my feelings around sports altogether at that point. Sure, sure. Understandable. And I know you do have uh, RP, retinitis pigmentosa. And would you say your your vision was relatively stable, you know, from childhood through early adulthood? Yeah, yeah, for the most part, it was. I I did pretty good at trying to live my life as a sighted person, a fully sighted person, that is. Uh, uh, I was only kidding myself, and I wish I would have... you know, taking some steps towards uh, helping myself around my impairment um, before I actually did, uh, which wasn't until uh, my 40s after I got married. And my wife was, was very encouraging about um, getting me to, to start using the cane. Uh, in fact, uh, our first trip to Disney with, with my three wonderful stepdaughters uh, was the first time I really ever used the cane, uh, probably 41, 42 and uh, hmm. it made all the difference in the world. I was like, well, what have I, you know, why have I been blowing this off? Why have I been so stubborn? But uh, it really made a difference. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. And definitely navigating a theme park like that, you know, it's it's important to have a mobility aid, uh, you know, a tool like that. So, mm-hmm. and then, so in terms of adaptive sports and uh, specifically tennis, so I'm curious, how did you first learn about blind tennis? And just talk to me about that introduction to this, this awesome sport. Well, I actually learned about it uh, from my wife who had heard about a group here in Pittsburgh called Bold Blind Outdoor Leisure Development and um, was chatting with somebody uh, actually at my work when, when I was going for a job interview. She was chatting with somebody while waiting for me about that. And um, when we got home, she had went on to their Facebook page and saw the blind tennis clinic that they were doing at the Highland Park Tennis Club and told me about it. And I was like, oh, that, that sounds really neat. You know, okay, cool. She's like, well, good, because I signed you up for it. <laughs> So I was like, all right, great. Well, and then I found myself getting a little bit nervous. Um, 
like, you know, well, how's that even possible? And I'm thinking about playing tennis because it had been years. I thought, oh, there's no way. Come on. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but turns out to have been one of the greatest things that's ever happened. It's, it's really been a game changer. Wow. That's awesome. And was that uh, like 2022 or what kind of time frame did you first, did your wife first tell you? Last summer. Yeah, it was, uh, I believe it was in May when it started. Uh, and it went for about 12 weeks every Saturday out of the Highland Park Tennis Club uh, run by Dana Costa, who uh, you interviewed recently. Um, sure. Just a, terrific. The, the, everybody there has just been so great. The volunteers, uh, even just people who come sometimes just to help pick up balls for us. And uh, I mean, it's just been a, a great experience all the way around. Um, but the first time he put that tennis racket in my hand, I was just like, oh, wow, you know, that, that just feels great. And she started feeding me balls and I was just like, whoa, this is, this is what I've been missing. You know, I can do this. Come on, you know? <laughs> And uh, it's right. gone on from there. It's been such a great experience. Wow. Wow. And I'm curious how many years in between, you know, picking up that racket for the last time when you had more vision up until last year, how many years would you say was, was in that gap? Uh, I'd say probably the last time I played, I was probably in my early 20s. Um, mm. Yeah, because yeah, uh, I had a buddy of mine, Sean, that we used to just play very regularly. All day, we'd just be down at the courts. But yeah, that was probably early 20s, so that's, what, you know, almost 30 years. Sure, sure, long time. Yeah, but it, it was like riding a bike almost. It just felt like almost no time had gone by at all. It's just like, yeah, I, re I remember how to do this. I just got to find the ball. <laughs> <laughs> So I know we have chatted on this podcast uh, with some previous guests about just blind tennis, the rules, kind of how it works, the adaptations, um, but definitely from your standpoint as a, a player, someone out there with the racket on the court, if you just want to give your perspective on, on the game itself. Well, uh, the game is, is pretty much the same. Uh, for, for my level, I understand that I would be probably a B2, possibly a B3 player. It just depends on how I get classified by uh one of the, the doctors who's you know certified to do that classification but uh the the b2s get three bounces the b3s get two court size is not much smaller than a regular tennis court it's just the baseline is is moved in a little bit closer about halfway between the a typical baseline and the service court but uh other than that uh, the rules are, are pretty much the same. Um, the ball is a little bit different. Obviously, it makes noise. It, uh, it's a little bit bigger, and it's uh, made out of a fairly dense foam uh, with uh, a plastic golf ball inside with ball bearings, and it makes a, a rattling noise every time it's hit or hits the ground, uh, which is uh, how you track the ball, and it's just, it's just so much fun. Uh, it's, it's super challenging, but I'm always up for the challenge. I just can't wait, wait to get back out on the court every, every time I think about it. Sure, sure, absolutely. I can hear the passion in your voice. And uh, so I know you mentioned uh, you started going to those clinics. Was it about a 12-week period that uh, you initially did that for? Yeah, uh, the, and the clinics uh, ran to the middle of summer, and uh, they, they were so generous and um, uh, gave me this uh, rebounder, which is a device I can set up in my driveway and hit the ball into it and it returns it back to you. 
Uh, so you can keep oh, it going. Cool. You, can, you can serve into it. Uh, it's been a tremendous tool. And um, they've just been beyond generous uh, with, with their time and giving me the, the, the stuff. I have a, a dozen or so balls at my disposal here at home. And they're, uh, they're, they're now into doing the clinics every week. Um, at this point, it seems <laughs> endlessly, which I'm super grateful for. Uh, just had one yesterday and um, had some, uh, some terrific work going on. But it's uh, it's really giving me my confidence back. Uh, I I I lost my confidence. I lost my desire for sports altogether. But it's just it's just all come back, and uh, I can't get enough. Wow, wow! And would you say it really has kind of boosted just your overall confidence in life, even off the court? Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's really been a great year um, between uh, starting the tennis. Uh, and I just started uh, a job actually right around the same time as that tennis clinic last summer. Uh, I've been working at the mm. line of visual rehabilitation services of Pittsburgh, um, doing, um, it's mostly production work, um, putting together, uh, road construction signs. I do all the hardware and, uh, the shipping for the, uh, the, the road construction signs. And it's, uh, it's been pretty rewarding just getting back out there. I struggled with that for a long time too, wanting to get back to work and just not knowing, you know, what it was that I, I wanted to do, what it was I could do, uh, given how far my vision has gone at this point. But uh, it's really all of that and uh, it's just really given me a lot of my confidence back, which has just been great. Sure. Yeah. And hey, congrats on that that new job. And sounds like a lot of great things, like you said, have kind of fallen into place here for you recently. Yeah, they really have. Thank you. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So I know you have been to Florida, uh, my home state, uh, a couple of times now for some blind tennis events. And uh, definitely curious about those. Was the, the first one you attended, was it a, a conference or... Yeah, it was the very first uh, blind and visually impaired tennis uh, conference and tournament. Uh, it was a bit of a friendly tournament, but uh, there were people there from all over the world. Um, uh, Simon from, from Ireland was there, and uh gentleman, uh, Steve, from Australia. They, Samir, who you also interviewed, was there. Um, Dana and some of the crew from Highland Park, along with uh, the U.S. TA uh, representatives and uh, was at the, the USTPA national campus. Uh, tremendous facility they have there. But uh, yeah, we had uh, two days worth of, uh, of conference where we just did a lot of uh, discussions and information speeches about blind tennis and where it's been going, where it's been going in other countries. There's, you know, it's so much more advanced uh, in Europe and Australia. And, and obviously Japan, where it was invented, um, and you know we're really we're behind uh, here. We need to we need to get on it, and uh, that's what this was all about. But it felt really good to be uh, at the, the ground level of something like that, um, and to be involved in that. And uh, the people there were so generous and kind and helpful, and just knowing how much they wanted to help people like me, uh, it just just felt terrific. Absolutely. That's amazing. Super cool experience, it sounds like. Yeah. And did you get uh, kind of some tips and, and pointers, different techniques in terms of gameplay on the court as well? 
Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the we had um, the one day we had an actual clinic where they um, they did went over a lot of the instructions and the um, introducing the court to new players and the ball and how all of that worked. And um, and then we all had a couple hours to just hit and work with different coaches and um, you know that was a lot of what they talked about was was from the coaching aspect because you know it uh, it's hard to get people involved if you don't have the coaches. To, to know how to, to teach it to these people. So um, they, they were doing a lot of that uh, instruction. And, and then the second day we, we had the uh, tournament, but uh, with all these people around to, to help give me tips, I got a lot of great advice. Um, and, it, and it was a, it was a roller coaster of, of emotions in the sense that uh, there were a couple of guys that came in players from other countries um, that were pretty good. Uh, these pretty good. They were dang good. <laughs> Uh, Paul Ribb from, from the UK um, was just dynamite. I mean, I, I couldn't believe how good this guy was. And, and uh, uh, Gentleman Davide mm. from, from Italy was there. And uh, Dante from Texas. These guys were, were really something. Uh, it was a bit intimidating for me to, to see that. And, uh, and I know I've got a lot of work ahead of me, but there were uh, plenty of people around to, to give me encouragement and lots of great tips. Right, right, exactly. And I know you had mentioned to me you also returned uh, for another trip to Orlando shortly after that, right? Yeah, yeah, we went down uh, in, I think it was towards the end of March, just for uh, more of a, a display. Uh, they were having a, a college NCAA uh, tournament there, and they wanted to uh, to expose it to some of the players and the coaches uh, and even some of the people there at the USPA who had never heard about it. And uh, we were there for about three hours. Uh, just um, doing a demo more or less and showing people what we're doing and how it works. Uh, we had, we had a really nice turnout. It was, uh, it was a really, we were there for one day, but it was worth every minute. Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. And Hey, just any kind of exposure, like you said, to, to NCAA athletes, obviously mm -hmm. the support and backing of the USTA, the United States Tennis Association, you know, the more awareness we can get out there about this, this awesome sport, the better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I want to help out as much as I can. And so what would you say your goals are within blind tennis? My goals are to keep playing. I would eventually, I would love to compete. Um, right now, most of the, if not most of all of the competition is outside of the country. Uh, they have a tournament that's going to be going on next month in, in England. And they, they have, even in Australia now, they have uh, like regional and, and national tournaments going on there. So. Uh, we're we're a bit behind. We got to get some some stuff going on here. But I I would love to to stay involved and uh, eventually get to uh, be able to do some competing against some people that are at my level and um, see where that goes. Right, exactly. So then moving on to bowling. So I know you had told me that uh, you got uh, into bowling and then hitting the lanes not too long ago as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Some of the the wonderful uh, people that I've met at the clinic. Uh, some of the players uh, were involved in the bowling league, and uh, I joined last uh, September. I hadn't bowled, uh, I'd say, at least 10 years or more. Um, and, you know, my vision was, was better the last time I bowled because I, I was not able to even make out the arrows uh, in the middle of the lane anymore. And I thought, oh, man, how am I going to do this? But they've got the guide rail that really helps you. And it took me a little while to to get used to that. And to get a feel for it, I'll admit the first time I went, 
Uh, I went past the, uh, the foul line twice and hit the oil and went <laughs> went down. Uh, but <laughs> I learned real quick yep. uh, to, to, to get a better feel for, for the distance and how far to go and use that rail to my benefit. And uh, it's, it's come along really well. Uh, we had a great season this year. Um, on my first uh, first time around, we got second place. So that's pretty good. Oh, wow. Wow. Basically a silver medal, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. And how many total folks do you have in that, on that blind bowling league? Uh, let's see. I'd say probably somewhere around 16. I think we usually have about four teams with about four players on each team, roughly. Nice. Yeah. And do you guys bowl pretty much every week or when the, the season's yeah. going on? Yeah, every Tuesday from September through May. Right. Wow. Long be, league. Get up into two <laughs> two sessions, more or less. Nice. Yeah. I know. I had mentioned to you that I've, you know, bowled for many years as well and have recently gotten back into it as, you know, in addition to, to yourself, you know, with the guide rails and whatnot. So it's like you said, it's definitely an adjustment, but there are some pretty simple adaptations uh, that, that make it doable for us. Yeah, yeah, there definitely are, and it's, I just love the challenge of it. Oh, yeah, exactly, and just hearing those pins crash down, Yeah, it's a great absolutely. sound. <laughs> you wait for somebody to say, yeah. ah, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> one and done, one shot and done yeah. is a, a great one feeling. <laughs> for sure. Yep. And then I'm curious, uh, any other sports for the blind that you've tried or might be interested in pursuing at some point? Uh, nothing, nothing yet, but, uh, I'm, I'm really opened. Uh, I know yesterday we, we chatted a little bit and we talked a little bit about beat ball. And if, uh, if it were ever, uh, in my area or the opportunity came up, I would love to try that. Um, but, uh, I've also thought about maybe, maybe trying some skiing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Maybe some tandem, tandem biking, uh, somewhere down the road. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm open. I'm open to anything. I, I just, I love being active. Sure, absolutely. And uh, any other any other hobbies, any other interests, things that uh, you're into or might have interest in getting into? Um, I've I've actually done a little bit of uh, ceramics in my life. Uh, I, I actually own a, a potter's wheel, um, and hmm. again, it's something that I put put off for a long time since my vision started to change. And uh, just a couple couple years ago, I uh, pulled the wheel back out and gave it a try and. You know, I could still I could still do a little bit of it. It was, uh, it was um, it went much better than I thought it would. You know, because a lot of it is just feeling the clay and uh, working with it. Uh, you don't you don't necessarily have to see it <laughs> to do it, but uh, true. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It it can be very re- rewarding and and just relaxing. Absolutely, yeah, and like you said, a very tactile activity and something mm-hmm. that's relatively accessible. Um, I know that you also recently uh, got a guide dog too. And I'm curious about your your journey to getting a guide dog. What kind of motivated you to do that? And just talk to me about your experience. Yeah, I do. I have a wonderful guide dog. His name is Beckett, and he has just been uh, just terrific. Uh, I was uh, really getting my new job. Was uh, thinking about getting to and from work, uh, trying to use public transportation. Uh, discussing that with my wife and you know we we had heard some of the people at the tennis clinic have dogs and um started to think about it and we thought well let's you know let's just apply and see what happens and uh next thing you know I was getting the call I was getting a call and they said they had a dog well first they sent somebody to meet with me and assess uh 
you know, my situation and get to know me because they, they use that information to match you with the dog. But, uh, then I got the call and, uh, it hadn't even been a year. I was surprised that it happened so fast, but, uh, I was there, uh, in March, um, for 25 days, uh, got back April 20th. So I've had him now for three months. Um, but it's, uh, it was such a terrific experience. Uh, I went to the seeing eye in New Jersey, Morristown, New Jersey, and uh, they they were just sure. terrific. Everybody there was was just wonderful, uh, and it was worth every minute uh, of the training. Yeah, I know s- several people that have gotten dogs from there. I, I believe it is the oldest guide dog school mm-hmm. in the country, too. Yeah. So they've been doing it a long time. Yeah, and they do a really great job. Everybody there was just so wonderful. And do you bring Beckett to uh, your tennis tennis clinics to watch? Yeah, <laughs> I'm still working on that. Uh, he's 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 still got a lot of puppy in him. He's only two. Uh, he's yep. a pretty big boy. Uh, he's now broke a couple of tie downs <laughs> trying to get at the tennis Ooh. ball. So I'm having to, to rewind a little bit and, um, uh, I've got some tips now to, uh, to help me get through that. But right now it's just a matter of exposing him to it and letting him know that, uh, you know, the balls aren't for him. And, uh, then, I'm, and, then I got to start to preoccupy him with something else <laughs> to try to keep his right. attention away from the balls. But, but eventually the plan is to, to have them with me. So we'll just keep working at that. Nice. Yep. I'm sure it's tempting for any dog to, to chase the balls. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially with that, that rattle in them, it just makes it even more enticing. Uh, that's right. Yep. Great point. <laughs> All righty. Well, again, uh, we've been visiting with Chuck Goddess here on the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. And uh, Chuck, uh, thank you so much for your time. Really have enjoyed getting to know you here. And I uh, really look forward to following uh, your, your career, especially as an adaptive athlete and just your, your journey in tennis. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on. And, and thanks for everything you're doing for uh, Blind Sports. Absolutely. I appreciate that, Chuck. Alrighty, Thanks so much. Take care. To hear more episodes of the Eyes Free Sports podcast and to subscribe, search for Eyes Free Sports on your favorite podcast platform or visit eyesfreesports.com. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.